Hey everybody, welcome to the Bagging Broadcast episode number 308. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 13th, 2016. Mm. And we always follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's our trade and policy review. And this month it's one of Paul's picks. And we're going to be talking about Earth One Wonder Woman. Volume one. Yeah, it's one of my. I want to call this Earth Wonder Woman. Save yourself some time. <laughs> you you yeah. know, kind of like a World War Hulk or Planet Hulk. So this is Planet Wonder Woman, which is a really bad discount uh, food chain. You don't want to go there. E O W W. They only serve chicken breasts. I didn't hear the first part of that joke, so I don't know to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's oh, okay. Ignored it. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> hey. Uh, what you shouldn't ignore are our beer reviews. Uh, this week where, John, you brought a collection, and Chris was able to find this collection as well. So we're drinking together, guys. We are hey, drinking together. Uh, so we are doing, uh, for New Belgium's 25th anniversary of the day they opened, they re- are released Fat Tire and Friends. They gave their flagship beer recipe to five breweries that uh, they consider friends mm-hmm. and said do a variation using our core recipe and any add-ons or how you want to change it up. And um, we're going to be reviewing all of those beers. We're going to be drinking full bottles of beers, each of us, uh, because we didn't think it was fair for Chris to have to drink them all himself. You, you do realize I don't have to like drink the full one. I just usually do. <laughs> right. Yeah. We will... You sound we, like you have so much we, fun doing it. We know that if you don't do something from start to finish, uh, you get m- major migraines and headaches and just can't do anything for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are starting off with their flagship beer, Fat Tire. Uh, this is a Amber Ale coming in at 5.2. And this is just a good beer. It's yes. a, a nice, easy-drinking beer. There's nothing extremely popping about this beer and there's nothing awful about the beer. Yeah, so yeah, I, it's yeah. just nice, it's pleasant, it's drinkable. Uh, I feel like I only took two sips of it before and then I looked at my pint glass and it was three quarters of the way empty, so it just really smooth, goes down nice and easy. I can see why they would can't... <coughs> Ooh, excuse me, I got a little yeast there. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a I can see why they uh, would hand this one off to be like, hey, do whatever you want, mix and match. Because, yeah, this is a baseline beer. You know, there's you could go anywhere with it. You uh, could add any kind of flavor to it, and you, you would get something. You could elevate it easily. Yeah, I think this is like one of those types of beers that you'd want to put through a randle with different spices or, like, fruits, ingredients, and have it mm-hmm. pick up those notes because it's. I think it would be fairly versatile. Uh, there's a sour apple, a hoppy, a, um, oh, a wild ale version of it. Uh, I think one's called like a funky, funky version. Mm. Um, I think there's one more. I, I, I can't say we, we, we're keeping them cold. Uh, fat tire is best served cold. So we figured most of these beers, we wanted to have them nice and cold. Um, I don't think anything's really going to be like, oh, we should really try to have this warm up. Hmm. Um, but yeah, good beer. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what the, the other groups do with it. I'm a little 
Uh, yeah, out of the listings that they said, I saw that Allagash was one of them, so I'm like, uh, you know, maybe. Allagash isn't a bad brewery. Yeah, but I we haven't been. Stuff from them that we like Firestone before. is one of them, Paul. Firestone's one of them. I might be excited for that one. one too? Uh, Firestone, um, I believe Avery, Firestone. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Rhinesgust out of, uh, Ohio. Um, I think it's called like Hoppy Brewery Shop. And is it Oligosh? Well, I'm uh, going to their website right now. I just got to type in my birth date. Just, you know, keep listening. You'll hear yeah, it. We'll, we'll go through them all. Like, you'll find out as we go. Ryan Guest, Firestone, Hopworks, Avery, Allagash. And then New Belgium is, you know, the original is yeah. the six. All right. All right. All right. So why don't we get into some news? We got news this week? We got some news this week. We got some news this week. And much like a fart in an elevator, Pokemon Go snuck out. And left everyone gasping. <laughs> That's a really awfully great way to put that, Chris. I, I, it, I, <laughs> it was released in Australia the other day and got everyone up in a tizzy because I was like, wow, it's out in Australia. When's it coming out everywhere else? And then that night it was released in um, North America and servers overloaded left and right. If you were able to log on and play, you were lucky because the next time you try to catch something or wander around, you were disconnected. Mm. Um, it's been a lot of up and down, but it seems to be a little bit more stable now, at least. But have either of you checked this out at all? No, I heard, you know, there's been those issues with it. And also I heard it's, you know, you gotta be, it, it eats up a lot of data, which I don't have. Mm. It uh, eats up a lot of battery life, which I don't really want to do. Uh, so those, those two factors on it alone were like, uh, I'm out. I heard it's not too bad on the data, but it's definitely a battery killer. Yeah, I can I can attest to that. It it is a battery killer. Um, it does use your phone's GPS as well as the camera and yeah. like the graphics processing unit. So it is using like a lot of functions all at once. Um, yeah, my phone. Easily, if you haven't seen this yet, it looks a lot just like you're using Google Maps or Apple Maps when you're traveling somewhere. Like you have the roads laid out in front of you, except you have a little like Pokemon avatar that you create that's like, running around, and then Pokemon will pop up. And then if you click on it, I guess tap it. I don't know why I said click. It's not a PC game. Uh, it'll actually take you into like a capture slash battle screen that uses your phone in an augmented reality sense, where you can see the surroundings around you and the Pokemon, and you have to like flick Pokeballs at it to try to capture it. Uh, really cool. I think it's a good way too to get people out and walking around. Yeah, it's it's fun. And the night it came out, I actually went outside in my apartment to try to like catch some Pokemon. And there were three other people just wandering around at like one a.m. catching Pokemon. Ooh, they're trying to catch Gastlys. Mm. Um, I've I've caught three Gastlys so far. Is it because you do it at night? It, actually, I I found most of them in the mall where I work in the food court. <laughs> Uh, I did see that, like, um, in Australia, like, one of the pokey centers is, like, a police station. <laughs> they have a sign on the front, like, you do not have to come inside the station to get your Pokeballs. You can get them outside. Please only come in if this is an emergency <laughs> and you are not playing the Pokemon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because part of the game is 
it's more like a, a geocaching type thing mm-hmm. where you have Pokespots set up around the world, and when you get near one, um, you can click on it, and it'll give you items like Pokeballs, potions, revives, other different things you can use to train or catch Pokemon. So that's it's almost like a little mini game in your mini game. Yeah, because you can unlock badges as you like, capture Pokemon, and the more Pokespots you go to, you unlock different medals and badges for that too. Uh, I was thinking about starting this up. I my uh, this is the final week leading up to my wedding, so I don't have a lot of extra time. But I know like it's area kind of sensitive that you can find other Pokemon in other areas. Yeah. So I'll be on my honeymoon where I'll be in Europe. So I was like, oh, I kind of want to see what ones I can get, but then I'd be really disappointed if I'm eating up data and battery life, and I'm getting this, and I'm getting the same ones that I can get. I would just click over to Wi-Fi, just put your phone in airplane mode, and just. Oh yeah, we're actually we're going to be setting up our phone to have international. um, My phone because it's a better phone than Caitlin's, but setting it up to have international um, for that time for that time when we're over there. Nice. And I think unlimited data too, because if we get if we get lost in Belgium, yeah. we we want to try to get home. We need to know mm-hmm. how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's a fun game. It's not something that you really need to make time to play. It really works best when you're just kind of wandering around. Like I, I use it when I'm on my break at work and I'm walking throughout the mall because I can catch Pokemon there. Like when I'm walking in and out of stores, you know. Um. This, yeah. Like, when I'm just sitting on my couch, like, I can open it up, and sometimes Pokemon will appear, like, without me even wandering around. So, if you want to put the legwork into it, almost like nah. a because, like, you do, it, you catch more if you walk around. Mm-hmm. You do have that option, but it doesn't need to be really much like a time sink. It, it seems like the obvious step for what Pokemon has been doing over the past few years, uh, even on the DS game, uh, what was it, Black and White? Not yeah, black and white was it? I don't know. Are you looking at me? Uh, or diamond? Oh, you're looking at heart gold and soul silver, where they had the Pokewalker. Yeah, the Pokewalker yeah. accessory, which was just a, a pedometer, and I got that because I'm like, hey, I could use a pedometer, and I haven't played through a Pokemon game ever, and I still have not played through a Pokemon game ever. Man, but I used that pedometer quite a bit, and you could just throw a uh, Pokemon that you caught into your little Pokeball pedometer, walk around, and it would gain level and experience and power the more you walk that day. And then on the 3DS, the game had like a kind of a battle system where, you know, if you had it on, somebody else had it on, you could like pokey pass, I guess, each other. And then when you got home, you know, you could play out the battle, you know, between the two Pokemon that you, or, you know, right there on the bus or wherever you were, past somebody that also had their Pokemon active. Yeah, they they don't have any kind of, actual like peer-to-peer battling or trading setup in here yet i imagine that's something that they'll probably work on and come out with like in further patches or releases Mm -hmm. Um, if you do want to battle now you would have to go find a gym in your local area and battle uh, the pokemon there so basically the way the gym battles work is someone goes they claim the gym and then other people can go and challenge them if you're able to defeat the gym leaders that are there your Pokemon can get left behind there. And if you can hold the gym for, I think it's like 22 hours, um, you start to earn rewards that you can use to buy better items and stuff in the game. Um, It's completely free to play. You do have the microtransactions in there if you want to buy 
items that'll help you catch Pokemon faster or level them up quicker. But ultimately, like, it's not necessary. I mean, in the, like, three days it's been out, I've captured 39 different Pokemon so far of the 39 that I've seen. Um, and it's strictly, like, the original 150. So oh, nice. The Pokemon that pretty much everyone should know and love. And you do get to pick from the original three starters. So Ooh. Charmander, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur. Mm, fun. Yeah, it is. I, I, I dig it. Um, What's while, it? Okay. While Paul was talking before, I, I caught a Vino Nat <laughs> sitting at my computer. Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So what's your uh, what's your starting Pokemon? Um, I always went Charmander when I would play the like the original game. So this time I decided to mix it up and I I picked a Squirtle. Yeah. But now I'm kind of regretting that because. I caught a Bulbasaur outside my apartment, and now all the gyms that I go to, it's a lot of the grass-type Pokemon there, uh, so I kind of wish I had one of those fire-type to burn them up, because yeah. it does level the playing field a little bit more when you don't get to play as much as people that are taking over the gyms. John, what's your what would your starting Pokemon be? You played Pokemon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go Squirtle. I always enjoyed Squirtle, especially when it comes like becomes Blastoise or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um what but I had blue and red and um I think I I got blue first. I had played through almost all of that and then I got red too because I was like, "Oh, I I thought it was a different game." Mm-hmm. Um but then when I started my red game, I went and started a new game in blue without saving and started with a Squirtle, started with a Bulbasaur, and then traded those to my red one. So uh-huh. I actually had all three of them nice. uh, in the beginning. And then they were pretty much powerhouses by the end. Mm-hmm. And I had two game... I We had two Game Boys in the house, so I was <laughs> able to do that. One of them was your mom's. One of them was my mom's. <laughs> Paul, you, and then you're she, a Squirtle guy? Yeah, I'd be a Squirtle guy. I, I never leveled them past anything. Like, I get to the big yacht, and I'm done. I don't think I've ever made it past the yacht. I, I played red when that one came out, and then I had yellow. You got me. You got me hooked on it. Then I had... What, I can't remember if I got gold or silver, like, the generation after that. And that was, that was kind of what did it until I got a Game Boy DS, and then I played... Like the updated one, and they just got too out there. Like I didn't know or care about any of the Pokemon at that point, so mm-hmm. so I'm glad they just went with these ones. Yeah, I sat next to Chris Roy in eighth grade science class with Mrs. Wellingham, <laughs> and I just remember him like, "Oh, you should play this game," and I'm like, "What? That's that stupid cartoon." And he's like, "No, it's really awesome." And then I watched him play it for like 15 minutes, and then went home and bought. <laughs> <laughs> and bought it. And, and you were a guy that was like, I don't like RPGs. I was like, that's like an RPG. Diablo is an RPG. Yeah. Now you know. No, you I, don't. I don't like RPGs like Final Fantasy. Those ones kill me. You don't like the JR. What the? Pokemon is that? Pokemon is I know. basically Final Fantasy, I know. except you're throwing monsters. But you know what? They had a cartoon that went with it, so I felt more interested in the whole thing. Okay. Uh, and something to be interested about is uh, the fact that. During San Diego Comic-Con this year, they're going to be releasing um, or showing a 
13 foot Captain America statue um, for his 75th anniversary that after the convention will be moved to uh, Prospect Park in Brooklyn where it will stay. Hmm. Uh, I thought that was really awesome that they'll do that. And um, Disney came out to say um, that we hope that uh, when fans see the statue, they will think back to their favorite comic book, treasured action figure, or even be transported back to a special time and place in their lives where Captain America, um, Captain America's values played an influence, which I thought was really kind of fun. The only thing that I have, not that I have anything negative, but like the sketch that they put up of the, of this Captain America is the more modern military kind of costume for him not that kind of the classic oh can you have it up cap suit and it's just like a rough sketch of what they're planning so oh. it might look different yeah the one with a bunch of uh the pockets a lot of the it looks the like the movie version of the costume mm-hmm. i'm okay with that though because at this point it that's the captain america that people can recognize that's that's true and also if you want him to carry anything he can do it all day <laughs> And I agree. I agree that I don't have too much problems. That's the only thing that I have, like, a little negative slide towards this is that it's not the classic version, I guess. It made me uh, think about the Rocky Balboa statue because I know it's no longer up on the stairs. Now it's oh, really? On. They, yeah, they moved it down to the bottom of the stairs, like, off off to the side because... Uh, were too a, many people running up the stairs? Was that it? No, everybody still runs up the stairs. It's just because, you know, it's a 72 stairs that you see him run up. You gotta do that when you, when you go to visit the, uh, what is it? The Philadelphia Modern Art? What is it? Something, something art place. Uh, art museum steps. Right? Philadelphia Art Museum. I guess that's all it's called. Uh, yeah, they moved them down. Uh, it's the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Jeepers, creepers. Way to stretch your name, guys. Uh, yeah, but he, his, his uh, statue is now down on the bottom of the stairs, off to the side. But it's still up, which is kind of fun. Did, that's been up did since Detroit the 1980s. ever get that Robocop statue? Oh, that's, I think, that was a Kickstarter, right? I think so. Cops, I'll look that up. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, the Rocky Balboa statue's been up since 1980s. And it's still coming to Detroit. Uh, this is back from February 22nd. Mm. Uh, uh, August 24th. Well, okay. Well, nope. This is, it's, uh, still being crafted. The form model, the foam model's been done. And it's huge. That's like an eight foot, nine foot statue. So they gotta do all the bronzing. So, um, I mean, the punks need to see it, so. Mm, yeah. <laughs> They're, they're doing all the bronze pull, uh, back in February, they were doing the bronze pouring for the statue, so. I don't know if it's up yet. And. It was supposed to be completed by spring of 2015. Uh, man, that Kickstarter raised almost $70,000. Nice. That's more money than Detroit has. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the uh, the the creator of RoboCop was like, "Yeah, we should use that money for anything else, <laughs> anything else." Oh, so um, they do have a Facebook. Um, it's at Detroit Deserves RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Where the last update was May twenty fourth, where 
they have pictures of the actual like casting and stuff. All right. Well, cool. if you uh, I forgot all about that. I, I know not all of us can build statues of things that we love and you know keep them in our backyard. But Chris, there is something that you love, and that is Disney. Yes. Am I wrong in saying that? Okay, good. Uh, and I love Legos. I think Lego sets are cool. And this is a awesome Lego set coming out uh, sometime soon. Retail price of $350, but it's a 4,080-piece Disney Cinderella castle that comes, and this is a big deal apparently in the Lego builders community, or Lego collectors community at least, uh, minifigs of Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and Daisy Duck. Right? Her name's Daisy? Yep. And Tinkerbell. All on the statue. All in, in, in this castle. And it's a playset, so on the back... It has open rooms and everything, and you get to see Cinderella's bedroom up top and all this other stuff. So um, even at $350, this might be the closest I ever get to like seeing the inside of Cinderella's you know, like uh, resort stay bedroom set. Yeah, I'm actually looking at this right now, and it, it looks like it's a cool set. Um, it's hard to believe that it's 4,000 pieces, though, from... Just looking at it, because it seems like a lot of them are just kind of like those bigger pieces. But I don't know. I, I haven't done enough Lego sets to know. Well, a lot of those times, a lot of times when the those uh, large pieces, they cover up a lot of the structural like oh, okay. work, and those are all like little tiny pieces. Uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of it's like almost like facade. Uh, you know what? Let me stand up real quick and look at because I got that one collector's X-wing, and it probably says how many pieces are on there. Uh, if I look at that real quick, I but, came around the the desk to look at Paul's computer, and I clunked my headphone into his head because I'm not used to having these big, <laughs> big things on my head, side of my head. And I'm watching him look up. Oh, he's looking at other boxes that he has. Uh, he looks very lost. Um, yep. And uh, he's giving up. He's coming back. He's sitting down. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, he's my putting his headphones on. He's my X-wing set did not say uh, how many pieces are in it, and I did not keep that box because that box was large. But my other architectural series ranged basically from like somewhere in the three hundreds up to like maybe eight hundred pieces. So, and those are you know pretty, those are really tiny. They, they are small. Uh, so, looking at the Lego X-wing. It looks like it's 1,559 pieces. And that's a large X-Wing. That's uh, over three That's over, uh, That's over. over three feet long. I mean, if this is the same one, because this was the Red 5, so it's Luke X-Wing. Luke's X-Wing with mm-hmm. R2 in the back. Yeah, that's the one I have. That's yeah. the more. So 1,559. So, so this castle has three times the pieces, or uh, one, one and twice... And a half, so two and a half times more pieces. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive then. Mm-hmm. I think this is. I think that's a really cool set. Does it say how tall it is? Or anything? Uh, not on this article off of uh, uh, Robot Nine, uh, Robot Six off of CBR. So, okay. um, hmm. but it looks really cool. I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a cool set to have. All right. Any other news, guys? Um, yeah, we got our uh, 2016 Harvey Award nominees for comic books, something that we don't always talk about. Um, but one of the things I wanted to say was uh, best new series, Archie. Oh, really? Yeah. Mark Waite, nice. And then, um, you know, Bloodshot Reborn, Giant Days, Paper Girls, and The Vision for Marvel. <laughs> People love that 
Cardigan wearing vision. Um, most promising new talent, Tom King from uh, the Vision. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of those. That was one of those things that I thought was kind of fun because we've been highly promoting that series and really enjoying it. Yeah, um, uh, for best original graphic publication for younger readers, Lumberjanes is on there. Hey, that's a fun. That was a fun book. And uh, best cover artist, David Aja. Um, Paula Rivera, Fiona Staples, um, some of our favorites. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of fun. Uh, we might talk a little bit more. Best writer, Jason Aaron, Jeff Lemire, Brian K. Vaughn, Mark Wade, and uh, G. Willow Wilson. Best artist, Greg Capullo, Jason Latour, Chris Samney, Fiona Staples, and Miko Suyan from Bloodshot Reborn. Maybe we should check out that book because it's like nominated for a lot of stuff on here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe we should do uh, trade and policy whenever that comes out. And then um, something the, a little behind the baseball. Uh, so I said we were all going to be drinking these beers. So Paul went to do the uh, Sam Adams. Oh yeah, uh, yeast trick where uh, he ate um, a Greek yogurt. Mixed with uh, two and a quarter teaspoons of yeast. Just the Fletchman's Fast Active active Dry Yeast. Uh, because that's what it said in that uh, Esquire article, right? It was, yeah. It was an article of Esquire. Granted, he said that he eats uh, a teaspoon per beer that he's planning to drink during the day or night. Uh, that Just that two and a quarter teaspoons, though? That was yeasty. Very yeasty. It was hard. It was difficult to eat. It was not a delicious experience by any means. Uh, honestly, but uh, for myself personally, Greek yogurt isn't a real joy to eat anyways. Like, it's one of the ones that I'm like, it's good. This I'm eating this yogurt because it's, quote-unquote, better for me than... I like Greek yogurt. I like I don't regular like, yogurt. I don't like it. It's a weird texture. I don't like plain yogurt. I like regular yogurt so much better than, like... Plain yogurt is like a treat. It's like that could I could eat that for dessert. You're like throw some whipped cream on top of it, call it a day. Like I like regular yogurt. Greek yogurt's a little bit more like I'm doing this for health reasons. It's kind of like getting a salad with like all spinach instead of like actual romaine lettuce. I like spinach though. I like spinach a little bit. I could just eat spinach as it is. I like it. I like fresh spinach. I like it, and cooked. I like fresh. Spinach sautéed. I do mm-hmm. not like canned spinach or frozen spinach. I could eat either Any, one of those. Anyways, uh, we're going to be checking back <laughs> throughout the episode to see if this is actually working and it's keeping him from getting drunk. And uh, also tied to that, um, I have an article um, that says, Hop Research Yields Clues for Cancer and Diabetes Treatment. Oh, we're doing a science section now? Um <laughs> We're out of the week in geek, guys. We're now into science science. So uh, a number of pharmacists and researchers have found that uh, humulones and lupulones isolated from hops may kill leukemia in prostate-related tumor cells as well as stop the growth and spread of cancer cells. Um, Not only is hoppy beer liquid courage, it is also (laughs) an anti-inflammatory Compounds and hops are good leads towards potential uh, medicines. So it's kind of interesting that something that we've loved for years is now getting uh, uh, some some science-ing. So yeah, 
I'm very interested to read the peer review of that. (laughs) Because this is, of course, the discovery, like, hey, there might be a correlation between this. We're going to publish this research because there might be a correlation. Hopefully somebody then does the peer review, the backup research, do more studies to see if there's actual causation rather than just, whoops, there was something wrong with the study. Yeah. But it's definitely interesting. Uh, I thought it was something fun to bring to the table. It is. It's. And uh, if we don't have any other news, how about another new beer? Did Chris get the no, new No, that was for you to pause. Oh. And it's time to move into our next beer, which is the New Belgium Brewing with Hopworks Urban Brewery, the Fat Tire and Friends Fat Sour Apple Ale. This is 5.9%. Oh, yeah, it's it's got a little bit of a sour appleness to it, but it's not really what I was expecting it to be. Um, when I saw sour apple ale on the front, I thought it was going to be kind of more of a sour, more like that kind of Jolly Rancher mm-hmm. candy sweetness. Uh, the fact that it doesn't have that, I'm a little disappointed because that's really what I wanted. But it it is like a like a sour apple. It's a light. It's a whisper. It's a light tartness to it. It doesn't – it's a, a slight variation on the beer. I was expecting yeah. something big and grand. I think when they did this, they were probably thinking to keep it light Reckon and easy bowl. drinking as Fat Tire is, where I wanted them to fucking go for it. Yeah, I, I wanted this to be something so different from the original Fat Tire that I can be like, wow, like they got this out of that beer. Awesome. Exactly. But, I, when I poured this, I was like, is it going to have like a greenish tint? And it did. <laughs> and I was kind of, I was like, fuck them. <laughs> I wanted it to be a little greeny. It, they're not going to put a little green dye in there because this is USDA organic. Yeah, uh, this one is. The uh, original Fat Tire is not. So this is something that uh, they decided to do. The Hopworks Urban Brewery Company, they decided to go uh, full-on organic on this. And this is a brewery we've never had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been able to – I've never even heard of them till this. So I wonder if they do a lot of organic beers. Yeah. Uh, it's They also call themselves Hub because Hopworks Urban Brewery, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Uh you know what? I enjoy this. I, I, I think this is a moderate step up from the regular Fat Tire. Uh, I like that it isn't, you know, for, I understand, yeah, it would be cooler to have, you know, bigger, older flavor. But for what it is, you know, that tart, that tart, there's a rich tart flavor on it that is, is light. It's a whisper of it, but it's there. And it's, I think it makes it even more drinkable. Even, because I can't help but, like, I can't sip this beer. It's just one of the ones that I'm like, yeah, this is good. As soon as it touches it's, my tongue, I'm like, I'm drinking it. It's it's good, but I think I would just take the regular fat tire over this one. Like the the tartness on it makes me feel like this is more just a fat tire that was sitting out too long almost, and then it got chilled. Oh, I I, I feel there's a power ranking a comment at the end. Oh, Joe. of course there was. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it. With the the tartness aside, it tastes kind of like a watered down version, like kind of like Chris said, like it's not, okay. it's like a not a spoiled version of Fat Tire, but something is wrong with this version of Fat Tire. I think it is easy drinking, goes down real smooth. I do appreciate the tartness, and I do. Aside from being like I wanted them to go big, I do appreciate that they still made 
a tart, easy drinking beer mm-hmm. that is fat tire. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely not I wouldn't put this in the family of sours. No. It's not close enough to it's not a sour apple in the case of like a goose or a sour. Uh and it is a lot lighter in color. Like I really enjoyed that amber color from mm-hmm. the original fat tire. This one's just a cloud a cloudy, you know, golden ale kind of color. Yeah. But I, I I'm enjoying this more than the original. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to fault them for what it is because it says exactly what it is. It's a sour apple fat tire. You're just maybe saying it's, maybe it's more on my expectations of what it was going to be based off of other like sours or even like like sour apple ales that I've had before. Yeah, you're you're saying that comes off that they're playing it a little safe here. I think so. I think so. The 25th anniversary. Doesn't come around very often. Oh, that's true. And it, Vera. <laughs> and it doesn't like you're given this opportunity to do it. Go big with it. Take that core recipe and like deliver a a tart apple pop. I kind of want to know with the behind baseball now. Like, okay, they delivered. Is it like they delivered the recipe in New Belgium? brewed it or did they have to collaborate or was it more closely of a collaboration where they nope. like approved? they gave them the recipe and gave it into their hands mm-hmm. um if you go on to new belgium um dot com they uh-huh. have a couple videos about Ooh. it um where they kind of they the one of the people um speak about what the plan was for this and why they wanted to do it and um you have a slight interaction with the people who are doing it and what they were kind of were going after. Uh, but I would like to see if there's more with those people really speaking about what they were trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, they do have a little blurb on the side of the bottle that says, uh, and this is from New Belgium, our Portland heroes at Hub peddled fat tires straight to the apple orchard. The slightly sour homage starts with a snap of tartness, courtesy of lactobacillus, which is like the yeast that they'll be using to get that kind of sourness, and apple juice. Uh, then gets balanced with fat tire-inspired multi-sweetness and a slight herbal bitterness. Nice ride, Hub. Hmm. Well, I guess that uh, dramatic reading will lead us into us reading <laughs> comic books next week. Right, guys? That's right. And this is uh, books coming out when? July 13th. 13th. Oh. Only three days before John's wedding. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Future wife. And for some reason, when you go onto the Comixology Polis website, they don't have anything coming out this week. Everything's listed for the 20th, so next week, which is strange. I went to uh, These previews. books are definitely coming out this week. Like When I went to um, the comic book store by my apartment to buy the book for a main topic this week, I was wearing my Nightwing hat, and the guy there was like, oh, are you excited about Nightwing coming back out? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's this week. You're going to come get it. And I didn't have the heart to say, like, I buy all my stuff online. <laughs> I'm a digital guy. Well, you know, I uh, I have a comic book shop really close to where oh, really? I live now. And they have kind of, like, weird hours. Huh. And every time I drive by it, I have, like, a little slight pain in my heart that I don't go to the comic book shop. But then I just think about all the freedom I have that I don't have stacks of comic books everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because I would go weekly or monthly and pick up my books that I had ordered, and then sometimes they'd just sit there and I wouldn't read them, or I'd have a stack of shame. Mm-hmm. And it's so, 
it's so convenient to have them on my phone. I do have to say that when I would go to buy the comic books during my lunch break at work, and I would have them in the car with me, like, I read them a lot quicker. And I would read them that day. Like, they wouldn't, you know, and then I'd put them away, yeah. or they'd just be floating around. Buying them digitally, I'm like, I won't necessarily buy them on Wednesday because it's not like it's going to be out. You know, before, like, I had to get there on Wednesday during my lunch because otherwise that book would be gone. And it's one of the reasons I never did the pull list, you know, with with the comic book shop that we used to go to because I knew it would just stack up and then I'd be like, ooh, how much money do I owe now? I don't have that. I can't go. <laughs> like, yeah, you but know, you would also go and you'd pay your card and you'd buy extra things because yeah. you didn't have enough. Yeah, I get up to the ten dollar limit, and, but I knew that I was going to spend about ten to fifteen dollars every week on comic books. Now it's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll buy this, maybe I'll buy that, and I don't. I'm not as avid a reader anymore. I don't feel because I went digital versus how because of the whole. I do remember you would have your stack of books in front of you, and then you're like, I have to read all of these. And yeah, it, I think I've gotten more of a lazy mm-hmm. comic book reader, but the stuff I really want to read, I really yeah. I read right away. But even that stuff, I'm like, I can get to it. I'll get to it. And then I kind of sometimes forget to get to it until we do our monthly look back, <laughs> and then I'm quickly <laughs> trying to... Do you, I, I find myself more starting books and then getting halfway through it and then being like, oh, I can come back to it versus when I actually have the issues in front of me, just mm-hmm. getting through everything right there. Yeah. I know. The, 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 the digital buy, I'm just saying the digital buying habit has changed all of my comic book reading habits. I think so. I, I would agree. But at the same time, I'm going to be on a plane for 20 hours. Okay. I'm going to be on a train. I'm going to be doing all of this for my honeymoon. Are you going to be in an automobile also? Yeah, trains, so, planes, and automobiles. And automobiles? Wow. Why Candy going to be there? Uh, I wish. Zombie John Candy. <laughs> Zombie John Candy. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wagons East. Uh, um, but I am going to have... He could totally help me with my running. <laughs> He'd make me a cool runner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that he's has helped you from getting drunk, Paul. Uh, <laughs> I love that you re- you're like writing this down. <laughs> well, Bobby so, John Candy, Bobby John Candy. Yeah, uh, episode title. I, I just typed it in. <laughs> but I will have like all of Hawkeye downloaded on my phone. I'll mm-hmm. have Saga, like co- trades of that that I want to read. Other things that I've bought that I haven't gotten around to. Uh, things that I want to reread again like i'm gonna have it all downloaded on my phone where i can just sit and read and enjoy that and know that i don't have to have bring stacks of books when i used to fly mm-hmm. or go on trips like this i would have you know four inches of books that i'd be bringing with me if it was not just like two trades and a bunch of single issues yeah it would be this huge collection that would be in my bag and it is so nice to just whoop, like right there yeah when i fly to buffalo Next week, I I have this week. Last, I think, yeah, yeah. Actually, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope you bought the right plane ticket. Uh, like I have the last, I think, four issues of Saga to read. I've got the last two Moon Knights, um, like other just random sort of books that I've like downloaded that I haven't gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to have an actual trade paperback with me too, so I have, um. The Fable spinoff book, Ferris, Volume Four, to go to go nice. through. But I also find that 
when I'm reading digitally, I don't look at the art quite closely as I used to on the printed page. Like before, I would like, oh wow, look at this panel, or oh look, well, look at this splash page. Like do you now, do I'm just like, like the full page view, or do you do guided? View? I do the full. I found like when I do guided view, when it blows up those panels, mm-hmm. you do take in more of that art. I do the uh, you know on the phone when I'm logged, you know when I'm uh, reading the books. For the look back, and I'm reading on the phone. It's the guided view versus the uh, when I'm reading on my tablet. Tablet, I read page view. Yeah, I do the same thing. And I, what I like too is I do the panel view on my phone, and then before it goes to the next page, it does the whole page yeah. on my thing. I like. But that. usually, I look at you know, it's like two seconds. I'm like, oh, that's the next page. You know, swipe, get me to the next panel, get me to the next panel. Or before, you know, I really felt like as a reader. Uh, you know, now that we spent so much time doing digitally, I feel like uh, we're almost at the middle point where we got back into comic books. Now we're nowhere close, are we? Because we went digital, what, two years ago? All digital? I think so. Like two yeah, years ago? Been. No. Uh, We've been recording for seven years. I think three years three? ago. Because so, Chris has been away for about two yeah, years, and I, we I've went digital before. for mm-hmm. like a year. I was in Michigan for a year, and at so, that point, we were already doing... Yeah. So yeah, we're almost at the you know from recording. Yeah. Halfway between you know being uh, you get, when we first started the show, you're like, no, no, I like having the books. I like having the f- pages in front of me. I'm never going to go digital. To us now being like, yeah, we we like digital. It's been seven years that we've been doing the show, as you pointed uh, out. I yeah. Yesterday, yesterday the <laughs> the ninth was the day we recorded our first episode in. Uh, 2009. Nine. Yeah. So I, I just, for whatever reason, it, it all kind of hit me today. Like, like just thinking about who I am as a comic book reader now versus who I was as a comic book reader seven years ago. Yeah. Or when we first got back into it even longer ago. Yeah. What the companies were like too. Yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. Uh, I would, I would really love to go back and listen to some of those first episodes. Just to see how how green and how horrible we sounded. <laughs> then we probably sounded audio quality better because producer Scott is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we probably hated all of the beers that we ever drank, and we was, talked about movies that I didn't like, and or I didn't see, or you didn't see, <laughs> and uh, I probably was coming across uh, even douchier then. As, mm. as I do now, yeah. So. I think we we've been able to really transform ourselves from what we did and and see where we were doing things poorly and streamlining things a lot better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyways, hey, the books we're gonna read. Yeah, but uh, navel gazing. Hey, we, we we have six beers to talk about. Oh, we do six <laughs> beers, and one of those six beers, our third, halfway there, guys, halfway there. Uh, Enjoying every minute of it. Allagash Brewing Company's take on the Fat Tire. This is their Fat Funk Ale. And uh, let me uh, read you a little story. Who wants the funk? Our New England friends at Allagash brought it, taking Fat Tire back to its Belgian roots with a De, de Dalle house Belgian yeast strain that adds classic pear, banana, and spice to Fat Tire's malty goodness. They... They then bottle conditioned the beer with Bretonisis Allegaceus for an extra spicy finish. Get your funk on! 
when I was pouring this, I got the, like, I started smelling like banana, and I was like, ooh, I think I'm going to like this one. And I do. This one is uh, 5.6%. Same as the others. No, 5.2, oh. 5.9. Ooh, and this is 5. Oh, okay. Uh, well, 9 is just a 6 upside down. Hmm. Really nice spice on this. Um, yeah. As we said right before we started recording this, because we took a little break, uh, regular fat tire and the apple one were things that you could really drink fast. Mm-hmm. This one puts the brakes on. It slows you down because it's got a lot of character to it, depth, and it just like it starts hitting your tongue and you stop drinking because you're like, I'm enjoying every moment of what's happening on my tongue right now. Yeah, but I want to take a big gulp of this, you know, take a big get a big mouthful, really have it wash over all my palate because it's such a, so many flavors going on, so such complex, a lot of spices. I do get a little bit of the pear. I get the banana on the nose, but not on the palate. No, I, I get the banana, like that Belgian spice on the I palate. Have, I have banana in my mouth right now. Like the aftertaste is I got, banana and spices. I like I'm not, it. See, I wouldn't call this banana. I would call this like that Belgian goodness that Chris just said. No, I, Belgian-y I, I, as soon as I took that first sip, like I don't even remember. Like what I said or what audible noise I made, but <laughs> <laughs> like, well, because I just remember like taking that Paul just be like, save it, save it for the show. <laughs> and Sorry. this is kind of what I wanted the Fat Tire and Friends to become, mm-hmm. because this tastes nothing like the new Belgium Fat Tire. It's so much better. It it it, it, it is, <laughs> and it's because I mean they're. Go ahead, Chris. No, you go. They're. They're taking that core recipe and then doing what that brewery does best. Allagash is all about Belgian tradition and really making solid Belgian-style beers. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did with this amber is they went, yeah, we're going to throw this yeast. We're going to use your Belgian this. We're going to do this and make this what we do best, a Belgian beer. What were you going to say, Chris? Um, no, it, I think it, it is a better beer. But it's because it's so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we said right up at the top of the show, we like Fat Tire because it's like just so drinkable. Like there's nothing really stand out about it, but it's a just nice go to like drinkable beer. This it, it's so different. I can't even put it in the same kind of playing field, and that's right. what I really like about it because it does have that nice Belgiany uh, banana, which. I didn't read what this was before I took the sample of it. And then as soon as I took that first sip and it hit me, I was like, ooh, I I didn't know this was going to be a Belgian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's all it is. And it's a it, really, really good Belgian. It ah. is a good, it's a good Belgian. <laughs> I would. I mean, we, we've had Allagash stuff before on the show. I, I don't remember necessarily loving any of it. Well, because we, um, we're kind of spoiled because we have Omegang. Like right there, yeah. So, uh, but also, does this make you guys want to question? Like, okay, Allagash, how much of fat tire did you actually keep in your recipe versus how much did you just bottle a whole new beer? <laughs> if they release, what does they keep? If they release this as something you could buy in a six pack or something that you could buy in a mm-hmm. bomber regularly, I think I would get this a lot. I would get this. Like, I wouldn't buy. Another one of these 12-packs, one, because you can't get it where we are. 
anymore. <laughs> it sells out. Um, but I would, I, pr- I wouldn't buy another 12 pack just to get this beer unless the next three we have are amazing. This reminds me so much of that box of, uh, Belgians that came out from, from Ithaca. Remember how good every one of those Belgians were? Yeah. Those were really good. And I think I, I, I look at the Alagash beers a lot and I'm always like, ah, I should, yep, I should try, price. I should go back for this again. It's a four pack. They're usually around ten ninety nine, mm-hmm. nine ninety nine for a four pack. When you can grab something that's even more, but oh, Omegang is more expensive. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe because I, I, I go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. It, it could be because I don't remember too much of the Alagash stuff that we had. Mm-hmm. Just remember having it. And the, I um, know that Omegang it's consistent. It's mm-hmm. strong. It might not be like the best beer. Like, oh my gosh, I need to get this. But I know what I'm in for, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. Chris and, said everything I was going to say better. And the Alagash. Right. No, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> the times we drank Alagash were mostly, I believe, their bomber bottles mm-hmm. that either I was grabbing from Massachusetts yeah. from my mother, or my mother was buying and then bringing to me. So who knows? Who knows how long they were sitting on the shelf. Who knows how my mother treated those beers? <laughs> the only places I've seen Alagash, though, Alagash, is uh, at Premier. Oh, really? At your, your store? At yeah. the store that you, uh, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. But um, I, I don't trust. You know, <laughs> I don't trust this shell. Some of those shells I do not trust. And those Alagash bottles look a little dusty. That's all I'm saying. All beers look dusty. After, uh-huh. after two days on the shelf... A beer that just got put on the shelf will look dusty. Yeah. It's a gro- I mean, like, for, for where I am, it's a grocery store. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't help it. Like, there's so many people going through there. It's vents and everything blowing. It's crazy. But, uh, I, maybe, um, maybe after the honeymoon, we'll just make, uh, we'll talk to Chris, see if he can find it down there. We'll make, like, a craft pack of, Four or five of their single bottles, and I, I haven't seen it down here. But I'll, well, I'll maybe we'll get them when you're up here and send you home with them. That could work. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I sounded so angry. <laughs> maybe because I'm halfway through this beer. I think this is uh, really reacting to the yeast that's already in my stomach <laughs> so well, guys. Oh, yeast on yeast action! Wow, oh, I'm getting affected over here. Uh, but. Uh, Chris, what, what book are you looking forward to coming out this week? An hour later. <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, what was it, the 13th of July. I'm actually looking forward to a DC Rebirth book, and this is Nightwing number one, written by Tim Seeley with art by Yannick Paquette. Ooh. Um, great. Dick Grayson's back in the Nightwing costume following the Tim Seeley Grayson run where he became a spy for Spiral. Uh I expected this. I think I called it when we did our New Year's like look forward episode um, that they were kind of grooming him back to come back to Nightwing, and I'm I'm glad this happened. I I respond better to Nightwing than I do Dick Grayson as a spy. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but he's heading back to Gotham, and I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Yannick Paquette is a fantastic artist. Look forward to more of that talk later coming up yeah. <laughs> in our main topic. But I I enjoyed what Tim Seeley was doing over in Grayson. Um, it just it wasn't my my book. It it felt like Dick Grayson, but it just 
it was so different from what I like and love out of Nightwing that I just couldn't get on the same wavelength of it. But I did enjoy his writing over in Batman and Robin Eternal as well. But yeah, Nightwing. Uh, Glad it, you're back. It was hard to continue buying Grayson, uh, Agent of Spiral or whatever it was called. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to show my support. I did enjoy the book, but it wasn't it wasn't great at all. It wasn't great, but and it, what's strange is my favorite part of that book was actually the Huntress stuff. Yeah, like yeah they call them yeah. like the matron at like the school for like the assassins. Like that was cool. Uh, I agree, and I am I'm very happy this book is coming back. Uh, when I saw this, I said, "Oh, that's that's off the table. That's Chris's book." Uh, <laughs> now I need to find something for me to buy. And what is that? And that will be something that we all kind of dip our toe into every once in a while. And that is the Conan books from um, from Dark Horse. Is it's, Becky Cloonan back on art? Uh, no. Oh, so I'm not dipping my toe back in it. The the times we we buy these books are when it's somebody, either writer or artist, mm-hmm. that we enjoy reading. And I will be buying Conan the Slayer, written by Cullen Bond. <laughs> Uh, art by um, Sergio Davila? No, Colin Bunn. Uh, why do I know that name? What else has he written? Oh, maybe Six Gun, oh. one of my favorite books. Uh, Sinestro, uh, yeah. lots and lots of books. Um, but yeah, I-, I imagine this is just, again, we're going to, if we do review this, we are just going to go, eh, it's another Conan book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does he battle snake people? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but it's definitely... Oh, that's like the second, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the second reference you've made to the Conan cartoon in like two days now. I've been craving pomegranates for like <laughs> ever. So I keep on thinking about that cartoon. Uh, it, it's something I'm going to pick up. I'm going to read. If it's something groundbreaking and something really enjoyable, I'll pick it up. Uh, that's it. <laughs> no, nothing more to go on about Conan. Uh, I got a little thing to go. I, okay. Sorry, Paul, I threw it over to you, but I, don't know, I really did enjoy the Brian Wood, mm-hmm. uh, Becky Cloonan run. Like that was the one that was like, okay, I can understand what people like about Conan now. Even though if they had just changed all the names in it, it would have read like Northland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what he has kept on saying. So I'm basically, like... everyone should just read Northlanders. Is what I learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already do. Uh. I'm excited for... Oh, you read Black Road. The Black Road, yeah. Uh, you know what? I didn't pick up any more issues of that. Shame on me. Well, you can only... When it comes out in trade. You know? Yeah. Pick up the trade. Because we're digital readers now. We just went over why this happens. <laughs> we talked about it. We then drank a beer. We forgot what we talked about. And then we came back to the Blown show. Blown away by this beer. Uh, I'm looking forward to, apparently, Civil War 2... Issue two that's come out, and I've just n- learned that issue two's come out because issue three is coming out this week. Uh, only because I keep on looking out for issue two, but it gets lost in the muddle of other Civil of our, War books. Civil War two, uh, X Men number two, and Civil War two Road of Glory number three, and it's like I I do stop by a. Story that also sells comic books. Uh, David Adams Card World. It's near my office. They sell comic books as well, but I go there for the board games, and also to check out. You know, I like sports, 
So uh, they sell a lot of the sports clothing. So, you know, that's where I buy my Bills t-shirts, my Sabres t-shirts, my Sabre hoodies. You buy a lot of those? Uh, every once in a while. Like, it, it, now, like, right at the summer, I bought a new Sabres hoodie because I'm like, oh, out of season. 20 bucks for a nice Sabres hoodie? That's normally, like, 50 Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Idiot, John. <laughs> Come on, John. Why? I need to buy my Sabres paraphernalia at deep discount prices. I wish they were sponsoring <laughs> us right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, damn, that was a good one. I don't know. I think we'd have to talk more about sports, and I don't like that. They also sell board games and comic books and uh, magic cards and uh, toys. Well, okay, way too much of a plug. <laughs> you talk more. <laughs> But, you know, and then I'll go over to their shelves to see, uh, you know, because sometimes I stop there on a Wednesday. I'm like, oh, I'm just interested to see what they carry, like, on a Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, cool, Civil War number... Nope, that's Civil War number two. She-Hulk, not even She-Hulk, because she died. Uh, but, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's like number two. and it's But the big banner, everything on the cover is Civil War two, And then in the small print is the actual book title. And it's so annoying. It's it, it, it's been throwing me off. It's so because much. they want you to pick up those other books on accident. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, which is, which I, is, I don't mind them being like, oh, we want you to pick up the other book. We want you to know this is a this ties in. But at a certain point, it's like, no, we're trying to trick you into buying a book. It's something they've done forever. Yeah. I remember buying books in the '90s when some uh, something was going on. And I picked up a Fantastic Four book because I thought it was continuation of whatever I was reading before. And then I was just like, this is a weird Fantastic Four book. This doesn't have anything to do with what I was reading. And then it worked. Just happy to own a Fantastic Four book. Yeah, it had like bad Fantastic Four fighting the Fantastic Four. It was some weird... The fearsome four? I don't know. It the was wizard weird... and... No, it was just like nope. bad version. Oh. I don't know. Uh, but no, I, this is, it's one of those things that Marvel does to get you to buy more books than you have to. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel like as much as I enjoy stuff that Marvel does, I do feel like they do stuff just to steal your money. Yeah. And this, this, this how they and market. This book is 4.99. Yeah. Well, luckily I'm buying it a month later, so maybe I'll get that dollar discount on. <laughs> Comicsology, right? So maybe that's how I'm going to read Civil War number two or Civil War two. It should have a better name. Why? Just can't we come up with a better name? Civil War two. <laughs> Instead of two, Civil War Redux. Can they have a better I name? Like, I think that's basically how the whole marketing event went at Marvel. It's like, oh, what do we call this? It's Civil War two. I like a. Can't you have a? Paul asks, can't you have a better name? And you just go, Civil War 2. Like, you just said it so defeated. It's, it's just Civil War 2. But it's Marvel, where it's all new, all different. So why didn't they just go with all new Civil War? All new, all different. Civil War. Iron Man's still on one side. But who's on the other? Captain Marvel this time. Of Captain America, because he's old. No, he's not old. He's back to young. And he's Hydra. No, he isn't. He's Cosmic Cubed. Marvel. Or is he? Check out in the next $4.99 book. You've been marveled. You've yes. marveled again. <laughs> All right. Are we going into... This, uh... this was the book when you said you were picking this up. 
You both, tried to convince both me. Both Chris and I were like, really? And then you were like, yeah, I'm going to pick up number three. I haven't gotten number two. And then we said, really? And he goes, uh, maybe I'll get number two. Go go back, listen to our review for our, what was it, May mm-hmm. look back. We like this book, but yeah, it's a price point. Marvel, it's that's where the disconnect is. It's a good book, but is it four ninety nine good? And I, I, I don't think it is. You know how many po- Yeah. You know how many Pokemon I could catch for less than five dollars? One hundred and fifty of them. It's free. One hundred and fifty Pokemon. All right, uh, that's the correct that plural, right? It's like a third of what I paid for the Fat Tired Friends <laughs> 12 pack. And on that note, Paul, uh, before we go into the dramatic reading, why don't you run and grab the next beer, okay. and we'll review it after the dramatic reading. Okay. And now, a dramatic reading from Green Lanterns, number two, page 18, panel three. A rope. Or handcuffs. No, a big butterfly net. Like a butterfly net. Come on. <laughs> focus. That again, Willpower increasing. Yes! You want to do it again? No. I liked it. <laughs> I, I, a big net is what well, the actual a, words were. It was were. a female character, and you just yelled into the mic. <laughs> is she, I don't know if she thinks in male or I think female been, tone. I think you've been... <laughs> I don't know if she thinks in a female tone. Yogurt with <laughs> I think you've been fat, tired, and friend. Uh, we're all friends here. So what was that, Chris? That was Green Lanterns number two. Wait, but was it a dramatic reading? That was a dramatic reading from said page book panel. And if you want to see that, go check out the episode notes for this at bangboard.com. This is episode number 308. Uh, um, and if you want to see that article that I uh, reviewed about hops being good for a fight against cancer and diabetes, I've shared that to our Facebook page. So find that over on our Facebook. Nice. And I will add that to the episode notes as well, just so it'll all be in one spot. And if you want to find Chris, just go to uh, Pokemon <laughs> Centers around where he lives and just wait. Just wait there. Uh, there's, there's a Pokemon gym at the Holy Land Experience. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. <laughs> that just made him laugh harder. It made him laugh harder, and then he said, Oh, Jesus Christ, and I think he offended himself. <laughs> what? <laughs> High pitched murmurs. Because <laughs> it's holy land, and I, I swore with Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a pun. <laughs> it was like a pun. You're right, Paul. It was just like a pun. Uh, remember we Belgium Brewery when, remember is doing when, collaborations with its friends. Paul, remember when you punned so hard, you went high pitched. <laughs> you mean like every episode that's ever great on the podcast? That, yep. That's yep. ever great. <laughs> this is a new Belgium Breweries. In collaboration with Avery Breweries, Fat Tire, and Friends, Fat Wild Ale. This is, uh, as they say on the bottle, go wild for fat. Thanks to Boulder's Finest for this unabashedly tropic take on fat tire. Avery took a healthy dose of... Johnny, have me read these bottles because they have the most unpronounceable names. Betternesis, Broluxinosis, Dree, to create a fat tire spin 
with a sultry malt backbone, fruity hop aroma, and a tropical pineapple layer. Heed the call of the wild fat tire. The um the nose on this is like pineapple-y, really tropical. It's it's a really nice nose. I want to go back to Chris yeah. reading that. How do you say those three words? Uh, Breton myoses. Oh. And I know that's actually one of those. It's a sour yeast strain that's I I know very little about brewing. Um, Producer Scott, I know you listen to these, so hey, feel free to comment on the episode post for this one over on our Facebook. But supposedly, like this yeast strain is very hard to control and maintain because if it gets out into the air, it can spoil the rest of the mm-hmm. beers that um, people are brewing. So not a lot of breweries will actually use this. Uh, this is one that actually Paul and I have a bottle of Stone's Enjoy After, uh, which is a IPA made with this yeast. So belly like Osis. Breton Myoses. Breton Myoses is like Bellatrix Lestrange. Just hard, just hard to control. But man, yeah, when but you why can would control you want, her? Want, want to do what it does? Yeah, let her do what she does. Uh, just kill moguls. And this is the highest ABV with uh, 6.2. So it's, it's still not too big, I mean, compared to the other stuff that we drink here. Well, one of the things that, like, when I went and spoke with the New Belgium, uh, New York reps is... They called Fat Tire a session beer. It's crushable. You can drink many of them in one session and, uh, you know, not get too crazy. And, uh, I don't know. I've had four now. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it. You've had three and a couple sips of the fourth. I'm feeling it. But of course, I don't know if they expect you to drink that in an hour. Right. (laughs) True. Yeah. yeah. Hour, five minutes for the show time. I. I, I like this one. Um, I I don't think I can place it over the Alagash one. Mm-hmm. I do like that. I that nice malt on the back end of it, um, John. When we were talking off show before, you said this was almost like a like a barley wine, and I can see that. And it's all on the back end because it's kind of watery up front, but then you get that kind of flavor wave that comes in, and I got a nice vanilla malt. Uh. I would, I would agree. Like that shift from fat funk to the wild, the fat wild, like that first sip that your tongue's just like, it's like, it's like, it's trying to reverse without like pushing the clutch in to shift gears. You know, it's just like, but now like drinking this, it does have a little bit of a watery front, but that back is like a big malt burst. And I think that's I where I was getting that barley winey mm. taste from. No, because if, if it was like that right up in the front, I would be like, yeah, definitely. Like this, it drinks like a barley wine, but this is really nice. And I, I feel like I just asked you about this maybe like three episodes ago. Avery is the brewery that we had before that all of their beers had like the birds on the labels or is that someone else it was botanicals it's right uh we've had botanicals we had the uh, i brought home three years ago when i went to michigan i brought home the raja ipa and a couple others we just started getting avery in our area and paul mm-hmm. yeah. um on our side had brought a couple barrel aged versions 
um, which were enjoyable. Their regular beers, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, we we I bought well, the Botanical Series, which is their barrel-aged beers in the big bomber size. All right, this complete <laughs> side discussion now, because I just don't remember. What were the beers that we had that one? I, I think it was St. Patrick's Day where we were, we were hanging out with Randy. We went to Consumers, and we got, like, the... The sampler packs. That's when we got like those two dollar, like Jolly Rancher <laughs> drinks. Um, the, the not Avery. Avery, um, right before Christmas this year, or you know, 2015 Christmas, uh, is when Avery came into our area. Okay. Um, we. I, I thought this was the brewery that all of their beers were named after a different like bird of prey. No. Oh no, that was um. Oh, it's it's uh, Cortland. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, and I don't even think we get their beers anymore. I don't think they're around. Wait, then who's the one with Boris the Spider? Boris the Spider is that uh, not Cortland? No, isn't that a Canadian brewery? I thought I don't know. Um, no, I'm looking that up right now. <clears throat> that was Russian thank Imperial you. that we had. Yeah, and uh, we weren't that's from Spider Bite Beer Company. Oh, they're Canadian. Yeah. Oh, they are okay because. I was, I think they were Cortland. Okay. Anyways, back to the show. Yeah. Which Sorry, is, uh, side, side talk. I, just, I can, I, I wasn't remember what brewery that was, but I just remember like their branding. Cause it was all like those hand painted, like birds of prey on the labels. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I'm Listen, pretty sure that was Cortland. Listeners. If you feel like you're missing out on that whole topic, don't worry. I'm right there with you. I wasn't in, I wasn't you there either. There. I was not there either. All right. Scott Sink Panfield sings stuff on with Vitana. What? <laughs> Don't read that. Hey, Paul, grab that book that you left way over there. <laughs> he tried to slide his chair back, and then his headphones don't reach that far, and he had this weird jerking motion with his head as he still tried to reverse himself. I I I did it. <laughs> I won. My headphones did not fall off, and I'm holding the book, and I'm now back in front of the microphone. It looked like a dog when you give them, like, ear medication, and they're just, like, trying to get it out of their head. That's what you look like. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is Wonder Woman. We're doing our monthly trade-in policy, guys. And this is uh, Wonder Woman Earth 1, Volume 1. I don't think it needs a Volume 2. Grant Morrison, Yannick Paquette, and Nathan Farabrand. Uh book from DC Comics. Uh, this is the free explanation, or a new explanation that doesn't feel all that new, of Wonder Woman's origin story. Her coming to man's world the very first time. Her growing up on Paradise Island. And uh, actually, even a little bit of her mother's origin stories, Hippolyta. Or Hippolyta. Uh, depending on your pronunciation. And where Wonder Woman comes from, and where she will fit in in the world. Uh, this book originally announced May 2013. Yeah, because I looked it up because I know this was something we were looking forward to for a while. Well, so this is a book that we've been looking forward to as long as we've been reading comic books digitally, and even before that, it was talked about and discussed. Like, I think even at that point, we talked to Yannick Paquette at a convention and he was talking about it and then like a couple months later it was like hey it's announced yeah uh, I think we knew about it before 
we spoke to Yannick Paquette, but yet it was, it was one of those moments where he was talking about it and we thought like it was going to be right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 2013 for Wonder Woman is also when, uh, the television show was supposed to be uh, released. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Uh, starring the girl that now plays, uh, uh, Mockingbird. Yeah, she's uh, Bobby Morris over on Agents of Shield. Yep. Uh, I think she was a better Mockingbird than she would a Wonder Woman. There was a pilot shot, and you can find that online if you do some research uh, of it. And it was actually like directed by the guy that directed Allie McNeil. No, it was written by him. Always oh, written by him. Yeah, I think he was also like head producer on it. Uh, episode side note. I'm going to add that to the list of episodes. We should probably try to track that down and watch it. Yeah. Uh, Paul, I'm going to make us yeah. into a Wonder Woman podcast just for you. Well, thank you. Uh, it's only going to be for like a month, and then we'll go back to being Star Wars or Green Lantern or something. <laughs> right. Back in 2013, when this was announced, because I do want to encapsulate my excitement for this book a little bit, uh, we were getting a... We didn't have a really good Wonder Woman book. Like, DC, whenever we would go to comic book conventions or panels, they're like, yeah, Wonder Woman is a big trilogy, is one of the three, you know, one part of the, of the trinity. 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 She's, she's, she should be, she should have more books. Superman has three books, Batman has like two, you know, with Detective and Batman, Superman has Action and Superman, Wonder Woman. At that, at that point, Green Lantern had like four. four. <laughs> right, if you can, if you add all the family of books, you know, with Superman family and you know, Supergirl, and and then if you had Batman family with Robin, Batgirl, Teen, uh, Titans, or Teen Titans if you want, or Netwink, you know, it gets kind of crazy. Where one of the tr- uh, Trinity only has the one book that is off and on, almost. And uh, back in 2013, they're like, yeah, we... We're going to do an all-star Wonder Woman. We're going to do Earth One Wonder Woman. We're going to really make her book exciting and fresh and new. And that was coming out right after a just like a series of pitch hitters, basically, if I can use a baseball term, of uh, Gail Simone. You can. We don't understand it, but you uh, can. Uh, uh, Jody, uh, Jody. Jody Foster? No. Jody the actress? Jody Picoult. Yeah, Jody Picoult. Uh the guy from Lost and the uh, OC, that writer, uh, Alan Heinberg. Heinberg, and then Gail Simone. Like, they all took their crack at Wonder Woman, and everybody was like, well, who is Wonder Woman now? Like, where does she fit in? And this book's announced. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, Grant Morrison, like, defining who Wonder Woman is. That might be really interesting. That might be great. Not as interesting as Greg Rucka doing it. Exactly. And not as interesting as Brian Azzarello doing it. And not as interesting. So it's. So if it was released in 2014, this might be a really great book. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the book in front of me. Uh, mm-hmm. This, the Earth One books are something that I do like to purchase and have on my bookshelf. And looking at the cover, it's, the cover art is dated. Yeah. Paquette, and NF, which is the colorist Nathan Fairborn, 14. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this cover art was done in 2014, so two years ago before we got this book. 
And also, if you go to the very back of the book, you get to see Yannick Paquette's other covers. So you know it went through editorial a few times to get approved. Some, some of those other covers I like a little bit more, but we can, we can save that to the end. Uh, and the th- that's the thing. Like, okay, so it's been two years, and how many, and how, lo- how long before that did he start working on it to get final approval? Yeah. So probably 2013, he was sending in his first thoughts. Of, of the for the cover, and then they settled on this one, and it got final approval and all done in two thousand four. Two thousand thirteen. Also, I just looked up is when he stopped doing Swamp Thing. Like <laughs> he hasn't done anything since he's been working on this book, and now we're gonna get him his he first. Went, he went independent. Yannick Paquette. He was doing uh, some indie. He did uh, a Star Wars book for uh, Dark Horse for a while. That was two years ago. Wait, two? Wait, what's two? Two years ago. <laughs> two thousand years ago would be like, fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. Okay. Like, well, like John held up two fingers. I'm well, like, I'm confused. I've been allagoshed. <laughs> <laughs> and now he leaves to go to. Just pause it, Paul. We're in the middle of a conversation in the main topic. <laughs> He's out of the room. All right, Chris. You pour your fifth beer. Hold on, I just, I just happen to have it here. Okay, I will pour it. Mm-hmm. I will take a sip. Guys, I'm back. What's what's going hey, on? Hey, hey, we're back. we're drinking the fifth beer, Paul. The fifth beer. What <laughs> beer is this? I don't even know anymore. It's the fifth beer. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, this Matt Smith, David Tennant? Uh, I don't uh, even uh, know. Uh, uh, Our fifth beer. Is New Belgium in association with Rheingeist Brewing? No, it should. It, we're supposed to be Firestone Walker. No, I said Rheingeist because that was the brewery that I haven't had anything from. And you're like, oh, I know things about them. I know things about them. I'll talk about them. Let's do the other. We we have Firestone oh. in front of us. I went to Rheingeist. Five beers in, and it all <laughs> loses the rails. All right, okay, Chris. So, you talk about <laughs> you talk about the Rheingeist. Yeah, we'll talk about fire. I pick because yeah. I haven't had anything from them. And I had said, "Oh no, I actually know this brewery. I'll talk about them. Why don't you do Firestone?" Oh, at that point, I was already gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was already Paul's gone. looking through his mail right now. <laughs> yeah, because he has Pottermore. You know, you know what he um, did? Right, let's Logistics. Pause. <laughs> And our next beer is from New Belgium Brewing in association with Rheingeist Brewing. And this is the Fat Pale Ale. And according to Fat uh, from New Belgium, they say, Fat Tire to the XP and A. The innovative Cincinnati folk at Rheingeist went all new style on Fat Tire. The result is a Belgian-style XPA, a combination of fruity Belgian yeast, bready sweet European and Colorado malts, and a healthy dose of fruity... Vinuous hops. Perfect for hopheads, wine lovers, beer fanatics, and even whiskey quaffers. Uh, I've actually really? had quite a few beers from this beer company. Um, Caitlin's Maid of Honor. We have, we're, we're having two Maid of Honors and two Best Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor, hey. minor Paul and Chris. Hey! That's, um, Chris and I. <laughs> she's, she's actually, um, for the, Past year had worked in Cincinnati for the Cincinnati baseball team. Was it the Reds? The Reds. 
Um, Jesus Christ. Come on. Sports. You know, you have to know at least the name of the teams, right? I thought they were the Bengals. That's the football. Oh, football. It's a ball, right? Oh, he's taking off. Oh, he looks like he's trying to. You're doing this in as a joke, right? Like, this he's... Is, you're just joking. <laughs> he threw his headphones off and, and then looked like, like he was trying to blow himself. I don't know what that means. That was a joke. You know Bengals is a football team. The Bengals are a football team. You knew that. They also sang what? And like you said team. the Rods are a baseball team, right? You're just getting my goat now. The Reds. So Ohio has two baseball teams? Yes. The Indians mm-hmm. and the Reds. Yes. So she works for the Reds and in Cincinnati, um, where they put sugar in their chili. Knowing that... I'm a beer fan, and I've been making future wife a uh, beer snob. A hophead? Um, she would, for birthdays, Christmas, and everything, send us some different beers from there. So I've had quite a few of these beers. Their main pale ale is a rye pale ale. Mm. Uh, I've liked, I think, just about everything I've gotten from this brewery. Their branding... Um, is one of the best branding on canned beers I've seen. Like, they do a really good job. They do, like, kind of a skull crossbone with a black and white can, big font label across it. Uh, look it up. I think they do a really great job with it. The beers I've had from them, also really great. Um, kind of their flagship is a Rye Pale Ale. Very enjoyable. You get a lot of that mm-hmm. rye flavor. This beer is good, a little tinny. I get, like, mid-palate, but I don't know if that's because we screwed up and we were drinking kind of the amber IPA from Firestone and then shifting gears. Chris. Yes. What what do you get? John, John was making me angry. I don't want to listen to him anymore. Uh, from this one, I get a lot of like a cereal weediness up front. Um, it's like running your tongue up along the uh, amber waves of brain that make up our fine country. Um, it, it's nice. It's not something that I would go to over like the. Uh, the Fat Funk, or even probably the the Avery one, the Fat Wild Ale. Um, but it's different enough, and it kind of shows how you can switch up a recipe better than the Hopworks ones does. Um, I can kind of get the Fat Tyrannus out of this one, but just like a little bit more of like a different hop on it. So I think this show is more of mm. what the Fat Tyrant Friends, I guess, initiative is. Not my favorite, not the best, but <laughs> I, I think it stands alongside some of the other favorites that we've had. Yeah, it's definitely better than the original Fat Tire. But it's... It, I don't get... I get a little bit of sweetness in the mid-palate, where uh, you guys are saying cereal. I can kind of understand cereal. I get a toasted, roasted kind of flavor, almost like a... Who's the guys that do uh, the Pyramid, the Hypnotic series, the Toasted Lager, almost like that? Blue Point? Yeah, Blue Point. 
Thank you. Um, I get that mid palate. I get a sweetness and the roasted kind of a malty flavor, which I enjoy. Um, it might not be, <laughs> I might be rating this lower because I've drank in so many in such a short period of time. And that whole eating yeast thing is a lie. <laughs> It did not help me at all. Uh, I, I just lined up all my empty bottles, because I've actually had all six now, mm-hmm. and this is my second. It's my last. No, Fat Tire is my last. But anyways, we got to talk about Wonder Woman. Let's, let's talk about the book a little bit more. Do we? Yeah. We, we do. Yeah, because, you know, that's why people came to the show, is... To listen to us review our main topic. Wonder Woman. If they go to Barnes and Nobles, should they pick it up? Like this is the whole thing, right? This is we read the book, so you don't have to, at, as Chris used to say. 2013 was the last time we saw. Like 2013, we got the final issue of Scott Snyder and Yannick Paquette's um, Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen Yann- Yannick Paquette on a book till just recently, where he did, I think. Two issues of Titan Hunt, and now coming out this week, uh, Nightwing, Nightwing mm-hmm. Rebirth. In in those two years that we didn't get Yannick Paquette, mm-hmm. we've suffered. And we didn't get his best work out of this book. And oh, you're going right to art. I'm going right to I'm I'm going to what I feel about this book. Okay. This book kept us from I, having awesome artwork from Yannick Paquette. I didn't mean to make you angry, John. <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> Maybe you Reds. I, I I feel like John didn't go to a bad or wrong spot. No, no, it's not wrong. I, my my very first thought when I started reading this book was like, wow, this book is is beautiful, and that's all Yannick Paquette. Uh, Nathan Fairburn, Fairburn, mm-hmm. not sure the pronunciation, but Nathan Fairburn on coloring. This book is beautiful. Um, one of the other things I noticed, kind of in line with that, was the lettering on it. The lettering on it seems really big, and mm-hmm. at first I kind of attributed it to the fact that it's like, oh, we've got like Hippolyta and Hercules, like yelling and talking to each other, but as you read through the book, the word bubbles and the actual lettering, its it appears oversized, which makes me feel like this book just was blown up. Like, it was supposed to be an actual issue that they kind of then stretched out the pages. Because I even compared it to the rest of the Earth One graphic novels, and the lettering this isn't a lot bigger. And it it seems kind of out of place and just takes up a lot more space in that artwork and those panels, which which are gorgeous. Is um, it because every third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or word all of a sudden is like bold? They they do that a lot. They do it so much, and I'm like, it doesn't make sense for all of a sudden in this sentence, Amen is bold or that man is bold. Like it was. You want me to read well, one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just opened to another page for a impromptu dramatic reading. All right, pa- Paul's going to do one first, then you do one next. Okay. You allow only men to minister their own kind. Are there purple rays? You must have purple rays. Chris, 
Your this, dramatic reading? Is this what you seek, Diana? The barbarous ruin that is man's world? What happened to you, my daughter? You humiliated your sister, Mala. For what reason? But that's a... Bolding in comic book panels and it, word balloons is a big issue, like, in every book. This, like, but this no, book, it, 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 it does not make... Like, nah, it's... Wait, Chris, I'm sorry, re, re, re-say that, because all three of us were talking at the same time. <laughs> um, yes, that is a common practice when it comes to comic books, but here it is done to a much higher degree. Yeah. It absolutely, in some of these sentences... Almost feels like it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I agree, but I, I think this is a thing. You could level this argument on any single book that's yeah. produced in the comic world, book world. This, but this is every single page, almost every single like word, word balloon. balloon. Yeah, it yeah, is. I'm, I'm looking through the Earth One Teen Titans Volume One right now. Okay, and it's done. <laughs> Nowhere near as much. It would, I'm seeing like one bolded per page. Versus one word balloon per page or a two word balloon. Yeah, one per panel mm-hmm. even. It was, it was, I, I like, you, as a comic book reader, you mm-hmm. assume this is going to happen. And yes, it's going to be when your villain is telling its point and it's going to mm-hmm. drive home this. Or your hero is saying why it's a hero. This is on every single page. Yeah. Almost every single word balloon, some word is like highlighted in dark, bold font to say, this is a weird thing I'm saying. Like, it really took me out of this book. And not only just in story itself, everything about this book just seems shuffled up and bizarre. Yeah. I, I Well let let's move into the writing at that point because yeah. yes, this is a Grant Morrison book, so it's gonna be that, shuffled that up and bizarre. Yeah, it shouldn't come it's... as a surprise. And this is a retelling of One Woman Diana's origin with Steve Trevor coming to Themyscira, Paradise Island for the first time. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is, and unfortunately, this book is released three weeks before the new One Woman by Greg Gruck is released, where he's he's asking, "Is it really who that?" Am I? Yeah, it's like really close. Maybe <laughs> for maybe a month and a half, so maybe between six and I don't know. I I can't do the math right now. I've had too many beers. Uh, where Greg Gruck is asking, like, which one's true? You know, like, what story's true? And then you get this book, which is Earth One, which isn't that universe. It's not. It's DC it's, Earth One. It's its own book mm-hmm. that's saying, hey, we've, we've taken, we've taken a look at everything that's happened thus far, and we're gonna draw upon one of those things and give this. And but the thing at is. First, with this book, it is very interesting, because in the beginning of the book, it is, Diana coming back, or the book starts with 3,000 years before mm. what's happening in this book. And then it is Diana coming back to Themyscira. Themyscira 
and and in chains. And it starts with her with a trial. And then it goes flashback before she had, before this, whatever happened. Before the trial. Caused this trial. Which, from a narrative standpoint, yes, the whole Diana coming back to Paradise Island, this being her trial, narrative standpoint, yeah, that works. Yeah. But it seems like for just a story, uh, Grant Morrison decided that he wanted to focus on the bondage aspect of what Wonder Woman was when she was introduced in the late 1930s and use that as the building block to tell that story, which you can pick up on those threads where it deals with submission versus trust and then also like being subjected to it. Yeah, with especially but that, that's with the, not enough to build a story on. Especially with, with the uh, story bite beat when it's her bringing the weird bondage outfit for Steve Trevor. Yeah, like yeah. how did she even know to order that through the bellboy? Yeah, <laughs> like it just didn't make sense. And I understand, like in this, this book starts, I think, almost very strong, mm-hmm. and then when it goes into the trial and stuff, and then halfway through that... It's when she sees the was, bus of sorority girls. It was... Oh, yeah. It was work getting through this book. Because I was like, you know what? I got an interesting start, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a shitty finish. And I almost feel the same way with Yannick Paquette's art. Like, it starts pretty strong, and mm-hmm. then it, it just finishes, like... I just got to finish this book. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, I'm Yannick Paquette. I'm an awesome artist. I'll halfway through this book. I'll put some golden lasso through this panel, but it's not through the whole pan. It's not through the whole page. It's just not kind of in the top. Like I'm mm-hmm. in a, mm, I did some of the work. And we read this on print, by the way, not digital. <laughs> this, yeah, I, I all, all three of us read it in print. Mm-hmm. I was actually, Chris, I wanted to message you and be like, I think Paul will give you this book. Just buy it digitally and he'll give you the book so you can have your collection so you don't get migraines. And Well, I, I honestly, like I said at the start, I don't mind having the Earth One books in, in my collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the stance, it's a beautiful book. It's something that I will go back to whenever they do happen to come out with volume two. I it might be don't. something that I pass off to people that want to read or talk about Wonder Woman. I, I don't think it's that strong of a story, and that's mm-hmm. really sad for how excited we were going into this. But I want to circle back to, John, what you said, where when you have Wonder Woman saving the sorority bus... It's at that point I felt like this book kind of had that jumping the shark moment. Mm-hmm. It got off the rails. A bunch it, it, like us. <sighs> it, it really did. And that's depressing because I understand bringing like the like quote unquote real world women uh-huh. and like just woman with Beth into the story kind of serves as that grounding agent. Like we have a real person here living alongside one Roman, like paragon of awesomeness. But it lost something when you have the fact that your real woman 
is almost like a caricature. She is. Yeah. Of what it means to be like a quote unquote real person. Mm-hmm. Like you can be who you are and be comfortable with it. But it was just so dialed up here that it instantly took me out of the book. And it seemed lazy that like, oh, well, Wonder Woman, Paradise Island, the, uh, the Roman and Greek like mythology. Who's Greek now? Oh, sororities. Yeah. It's like, it seems so lazy to make it the sorority group. And then Candy, who has been a part of Wonder Woman, like, uh, mythos since the 1970s with, uh, Diana losing her powers and becoming part of the, like, secret agency, the DEO, DEO, for a while when she was in the jumper. Like, Candy was part of that, so. I but think, it seemed lazy. I think this is Grant Morrison, who I think on a more than one occasion can be a great writer. Mm-hmm. He yeah. didn't Morrison this shit up, though. He didn't Morrison up, but he no. did in a way that he looks at all of the history mm-hmm. and tries to bring that kind of almost into the present, mm-hmm. where Jeff Johns is someone who can take that history of a character mm-hmm. and make it feel functional, real in a good story. This is one of those points where Grant Morrison took all of that story and history, crammed it into a really tiny book that made you feel like this is too much going into all the history. But you say Jeff Johns, but then remember back to Batman first one. And Jeff Johns wrote that. And I that would, was not as good as, like, what Jeff Johns would do outside of that here, either. Here's the thing. I would say Oma, the first two Earth-1 Supermen are right. the best. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you have Jeff Johns' Batman, then Teen Titans, then that third installment of Superman. And There's then, a third installment of what, a Superman? Yeah, we yeah. read three of those. And then... Damn, Wonder Woman here. <laughs> we reviewed it. Wonder, Wonder Woman here on the bottom. This is the worst interpretation of the history of these characters yeah. and bringing it into a hardback edition like this. Mm-hmm. First two Supermen, Batman, Titans, Bat or Superman, Wonder Woman, and. When they started bringing He's in... Pausing. No, He's pausing. No, 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 no. I'm just oh. looking because I'm looking you, up... You have to pee. Go pee. No, I'm looking up Superman right now. No, no. go... Crip Paul? Uh, the, th- the third one was where they brought in... Was it Zod? Are or you like, still recording? Zod-like? Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, okay, we're good. I'm sorry. I didn't I, know what I, was going I, on. I, I, he, um, he clicks. I don't know exactly what's happening. I, I was excited for this when they started bringing in Medusa... Because that kind of brought it back to the Greg Rucka stuff for me. I was like, okay, we're going to have Wonder Woman fighting monsters, descending from yeah. gods in the world of man. Like, this is going to be great. But then they just dismissed that whole Medusa thing where it's like, oh, yeah, Medusa shows up, she turns people to stone, and then she literally just, like, walks off the page. Yeah. Or slithers. There's, there's no <laughs> to, like, anything that happens here. There's no fight. There's no nothing. And I think that's the fault of this book is because there's some great ideas that all come from Wonder Woman's history. But Grant Morrison decided to focus just on a couple of them without really fleshing anything out 
and then ultimately adding to it. That led to this book's just mm-hmm. kind of falling behind everything else that has come in the Earth One list, like the Superman, Batman, and then Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree. This is Grant Morrison at his best slash at his worst. Because I think Grant Morrison is somebody who takes all of the history into consideration and tries to give you that. But this version of what he tried to do was the worst version of that. Because it just it was not a good read. I read this all yesterday evening and I wouldn't say very quickly, because I know when I read quickly, I lose things, so I read it at the the tone of what the mm-hmm. book should be. And in the beginning, I was enjoying it. And then when I saw what they were doing with kind of that flashback of Diana Prince telling her story, you know, you slow down, you see what her version is. And then when they started drawing other characters in to tell their versions of the story... I but just, all under the truth, because of the all truth under there. the truth, because they're they got the truth lasso. They, they got the lasso wrapped around them, and there's the witches, yeah. rhyming and well, the uh, the fates, the three fates. You know, they're rhyming throughout it. It just was just like okay already. Let's. It's bad to say this. The most like interesting part of this was like right up the front where you have Hercules enslaving yeah Hippolyta there. Because it, it brings you in, like, heavy right at the get-go. Yeah. But and then everything else after it is so quiet. It, it is lighter. It, it is not as dark. And it, it ties is. in that story of her telling Diana that she's made of clay, but then really she just mm-hmm. was raped by Hercules and gave birth to a demigod. Demigod. You know, like, it all fit into what Diana is, but it just, like, when Diana goes to the, you know, man's world, which would be our world, it just was fucking boring. Nothing happened. Like, as I'm flipping through again, I did also like the Wonder Woman Steve Trevor stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like how, at first, when I saw that they... You know, they do make Steve Trevor an African-American in this book. Like, they do, do change his race. Um, it doesn't come off as, like, oh, look what we did. Like, here it's we a, go. Here we go. It's a palette swap, though. It, it's a palette swap, but until they do make mention of the fact that he was like, I I come from a race of people that yeah. was enslaved. Like, she saved me. I'm doing this to save you. That's where you get that hook from. It's not one of those changes that's done just to change things. It, it does add more to the the narrative at that point. But does, it doesn't at add, the very end it doesn't just for the twist. Time. Like it, it doesn't carry through. Like mm-hmm. it's not strong enough until you get that hook. Right. And it it seemed set up like I'm like, oh, this is a palette swap, this is them. They we're doing a story in two thousand fourteen, so this is what we're doing. And but then the hook happened, and I'm like, okay. It, the, it, that, the hook that character, made sense. They but, changed the character to fit the plot versus them changing the character just to change the character. Not only that, like, Yannick, like, 
the fact that they did it seemed okay. They're doing this, and then Yannick Paquette's version, like artistic version of the character, seemed semi like racist about it. Like it just seemed like you get you know you gave the guy the big nose, you gave him this. Like it just seemed like it was so forced that even the art seemed really forced about it. Yeah, but and even then, Steve when cover when he was. You know, the white version is definitely the, like... White version? Yeah, the, the like... He's so He cranker. is the He's blind... Like the blonde hair, blue blonde hair. Yeah, exactly. He is the prototypical white male. Well, then they captured that with the black version. Like, yeah, it just know, seems... It, it, but Wonder Woman he, is the prototypical when, Wonder Woman. She's the... Like, right, this but is even when they drew be. the... They, they drew him as a black man, I was like, boof, that's... They're really going hard on this. Like... Mm-hmm. It just, everything about this book, after the first, like, quarter of the book, so absolutely forced. And then, like, his speech at the end, I was like, well, that makes sense, but it's a fucking three quarters of the book too late. And, like, when he's getting his orders and all that, like, all this bullshit in this book. And I was like, I'm kind of interested in... Grant Morrison's version. I'm looking so forward to the reason why we haven't had Yannick Paquette on art for almost three years. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, give me this. This book should look amazing, and it is good looking. But up it's, until the last, like, it's it does seem like he was phoning it in on the couple, last couple pages, but right? In his defense, it seems like he's phoning it in, but it still looks. It's really it great. still it's looks really. Great. Good. Like the cat phoning it in is still better than yeah, a right. lot of comic book art. And I agree. It. But the fact that like he was making every month with Swamp Thing, and that is an amazing, incredibly detailed book, where this is like half of what he was doing for Swamp Thing. Yeah. Because uh, the backgrounds also, aren't that that enticing. There's nothing growing on. It's just, like, a character and a character. Those first couple pages where he has, like... Yeah, the, he, the, the layouts image, are all the, different. The image that would look like that was on the clay pot from... I do like that. ...the Roman era, and then what really happened. Mm-hmm. Those first couple pages were amazing! Like, everything he was doing, everything he was doing in that. And then when we spoke to him, and he mm-hmm. was like, oh, I... I was looking up what a door handle would have looked like at that time. Yeah. And then we started talking to him. He's like, well, it wasn't not really a door handle, but just what things looked like uh-huh. in that time versus what they look in latest time. I spent a lot of time working on that. And what? then you're like, oh, man, amazing. And then the first couple of pages, it having spoken amazing. to the man and then what he was doing, and then all of a sudden it just like, I'm turning out the shit. Mm-hmm. For a book that won't come out for two years, you know, like well, even like when you hit that double page spread of Paradise Island, where it's just it's basically it's just like all architecture. It's gorgeous. Like that's one of those like spreads when you hit it, you're like, okay, like this is deserving of a double page splash. It works, and even like the pages before that, where you do have the pottery versus what happened. It works so well, even just in the coloring, where you have what happens in the blues, but then what they have portrayed on the pottery and the oranges and blacks. Like, 
they stand so well against each other that the rest of the book just kind of pales in comparison afterwards. Well, even like um, Candy, what's what's her first name? I'm Beth. Beth Candy. Like, he drew, like, a beautiful face, and she does look very pretty, but then he just drew her, like, oh, I've learned to draw, like, the eyes, nose, and lips of a beautiful woman, and then just make her kind of look fat. Mm-hmm. And she does look attractive for a, a heavy woman that it's supposed to work in the story of what's going on. And the art throughout the whole thing is well, it is very well done. It's, the beginning is what I expect out of Vienna Paquette, and then by the finish is what I expect from a, just an everyday comic book artist. And, and I think, I, I think a lot of that though, not to cut you off, I attribute to just a Grant Morrison book where you come up with a great idea and then at the end where you have the execution of it, it just, you don't have anything else to support it. It just fizzles. And, and that's where like a true great comic book artist or writer like Scott Snyder or the other people that Yannick has worked with that he just nails every page. I think Yannick Paquette got as well as any reader got bogged down by Grant Morrison. By the end of this book, having had read this book, I'm ready for the next chapter of this book. I'd like to see something fucking happen in this book because you think something's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's all set up. It's just, it's incredibly set up. This is... The Medusa fight that we talked about I, before their break. Yeah. I, that doesn't I, happen. I almost want to say this is so poorly executed. Mm-hmm. It well, ties in that history and all that stuff I found for the first part of the book slightly interesting. Wonder Woman playing the part of Hercules, who at the end of the book you find is her father. So it's kind of mm-hmm. atropos her doing it. Her beating what's-her-face Mala to then all she wants to do is win the prize of the the invisible airplane to fly Trevor Trevor. back. All of that is interesting until they get to the world of man, and then it just is shit. And, yeah, she's like, where's your purple ray? Like, don't you have a purple ray? And nobody understands what the hell. What what a purple ray is. And then all of a sudden she just happens to be there to catch the... uh, the the college girls mm-hmm. bus and then like hey you're a beta allen too because hey you're so pretty now we're going to be at the trial now we're going to be at this yeah. you guys are such you know i don't even know you guys are just boners i don't know <laughs> which uh since you mentioned Molo, this is something i kind of wanted to bring up before but it's, it didn't really fit uh i do like that they kind of almost pay homage to those other Wonder Woman characters like Cassie Kane, who looks so much like Mala. Uh, and then you have Donna Troy in the background, basically of any other panel. Looking like Donna Troy. Like, so when I saw that character... When I saw that character... Because the whole time I'm reading the book, I'm just like, Donna, do something. Like, make this more interesting for me. Oh, I felt the same thing. When you see that moment where it's a woman with black hair with kind of some stars on her like outfit, red, like stars. you're just like, oh, it's Donna Troy. Oh man, I wish this was 
Cassie. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, you have these moments and you're seeing it and you're like, give me what I want. <laughs> And yeah, but then, it's Earth One. And then they just, it's just a tease. Uh-huh. Paul, it's, it's Earth One. Or is I, it just... I love the Earth One Superman stuff. I'm uh-huh. not a Superman fan. The closest I've been to Superman fan is actually where we are right now with Rebirth, where we have the original, like, Superman back in the new rebirth universe, whatever you want to call it. Knowing everything that he knows, but now trying to fit and make everything that happened before fit in this. Like, mm-hmm. and that's just like that meta kind of reading that I'm enjoying. I'm not a Superman fan, but he is the reader in this new. I enjoyed those issue. Earth One uh, original graphic novels. Like mm-hmm. the characters that I do love, like Batman and the Teen Titans. We've also gotten those Earth One novels from them. They just don't fire. They don't catch. Wonder Woman. I'm not a Wonder Woman fan, but I I like the Greg Rucka stuff. I like the Brian Azzarello stuff. I was hoping we were going to kind of see the Wonder Woman advent with Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette. Mm-hmm. And the only part of that that fulfilled was Yannick uh, Paquette, half of it. Yeah. And that's a good place to pause for our last beer review, Chris. Oh, we got to talk about this one. Uh, and this is New Belgium Brewing pairing up with Firestone Walker Brewery. If you remember last episode, we took a giant shit on Firestone Walker, Paul and I. Uh, and this is probably up there as one of my favorites. And this is their Fat Hoppy Ale. This is a hugely hoppified fat tire thanks to our California friends inspired by brawny West Coast IPAs. They create an assertive hop presence with the likes of Mosaic, Citra, and Mandura Bavarian. The result? Question mark. A popped up hoppy amber version of fat tire with an amplified american hop aroma and flavor time for you to hop on this fat tire 6.0 percent uh if you've heard a bunch of bottles moving on the table that's me trying to figure out my power ranking and uh this is good this is the flavor of licking an envelope it's good i like it it's got that yeasty, malty sweetness, but lick an envelope and you know what the taste is. I liked this a lot before I realized that we had screwed up and we didn't do the Ron Heinz Gist uh, version. And I just finished it before I read this and I still like it. Uh, I just finished while you guys were talking. And I kind of like the Rheingeist a little bit more. Okay. They're, they're, they're both hoppy, but they both kind of hit in different ways. But they both kind of have a similar, like, it, it's not in like an overly citrus hop. It's not an overly bitter hop. They both feel like that more kind of like weediness mm-hmm. that I was talking about before with the Rheingeist. And um, I definitely get the weediness with the walker, but I still feel like I get a better hop presence. 
I get a lot more wheat on Firestone than I do on the Alagash. I get or a, the Rhino. I get the a Rhine bigger Geist, the Rhinegeist. I, I get a bigger malt presence mm-hmm. on the the Rhinegeist. Um, and if you guys are ready, take your time. I'm gonna I'm gonna do you, my. You do your power ranking. I'm, I'm t- ready for my power ranking. Chris, get ready. I'm I'm ready. My I'm power ranking. I got it all taped up. Alagash's Fat Funk. Number one. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Then I have Avery's... You're an asshole. Why are you on the podcast? Fat Wild, number two. (laughs) Are you saying that because you agree? Because I have the exact same thing. No, I don't have that. Uh, Number three, I think this is where we're going to differ, Chris. I have Firestone's Fat Hoppy. I agree. That number three. I have the Ryan guys. Number four... Fat Tire. Wow. Belgium. Wow. New Belgium. That's, that's really high for Fat Tire. <laughs> yeah, because I, I have the Firestone one as my number four. We're going to go through yours <laughs> soon, too, because I can't keep track. Number five, Fat Sour Apple. And number six, I agree. Number five. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Number, number five, I had the Hopworks as well. Uh, number six, Fat Pal uh, from Rheingeist. And I was... I Rheingeist, was, really? I was rooting for this beer to be higher because I, I like really like this brewery and the different things I've had from them. I liked it a lot more than you did. I think so. I just didn't get it. And maybe it was because I had the Firestone before it and I had a little more hoppy characteristic and then went more multi-hoppy. But that multi-hoppy, I found it less drinkable than both the fat sour apple and the new belgium the new belgium they went down like water i mean it still has a good beer taste the sour apple i think was less than the regular new belgium and it was so drinkable with a little bit of tartness but that multi characteristic of reinheingist i just didn't it just didn't capture me after the end of drinking all six of these beers with mm-hmm. all crazy different styles. This is the one that just made me go. It's too much. It's just too malty. I didn't love it. The other ones mm. I loved a little bit more. Chris, your power ranking. Um, kind of interjected with everything John was saying, but I did Alagash number one. That's yep. a beer that I would just go mm-hmm. out and drink. I drink that anywhere I would find it. Exactly. Me too. Like, then I went with the Avery. I I did really like that kind of malty sweetness off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off really light and watery, but once that flavor comes in, it's it's nothing but good. Then I did the Rheingeist. It was just, I think it's really similar to the Firestone, and I kind of wish we hadn't done these two so close together because it might have changed my feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they both hit the same kind of notes, but I, I feel like the Rheingeist just kind of carried... It hit harder, while the Firestone was the one that carried through. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it's been a little while since I've taken a sip of it, but I can still kind of feel that Firestone, like, on the tongue. I uh, With Firestone, I really like that hoppy dankness mm-hmm. that I got from it. And I we kind of really shuffled over that really quickly. Yeah. But it did have uh, that I, dankness I did the Hopworks like. as my... I don't want to say, like, second least favorite, because that makes all of these sound 
better or worse than they are. Well, you're um, you're on your the back. Hopworks, the sour apple, it it's really good. I did like that little bit of sour and that apple sweetness on it. Is that that's your what number? Made me put it over that New Belgium. Just is like that your number person. four then? Uh, that's my number five. Yeah, or you didn't say your number four. Firestone was his number four. Yeah, Firestone was my number. Oh, Firestone was number four. He he yeah. was he Ryan didn't mention Geist, it right out, but Ryan Geist was, was number three. Number four was <laughs> Firestone. Yes, Hopworks. Hopworks, just because it was a little bit something different from the regular fat tire. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I mean, we said right at the front, like fat tire. It's a great, just nice, pleasant, drinkable beer. But the fact that this was kind of the baseline for everything else put it down at the bottom for me. It, I don't dislike it, but everything else, I put a little bit above it just because it was a takeoff of it that I liked a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I talk to people for my job, it's to help people find the beer that they're looking for. I always tell people when they're looking for something above, like, a Coors, a Labatt's, a Budweiser, mm-hmm. I say, have you tried the Fat Tire? The Fat Tire is the beer that the beer snob can agree is a good beer, and that Budweiser drinker can also go, oh, I really like that. Like, it's a a middle... Ooh, I bought... Karate chopping. I karate chopped a beer. It's been years. It hasn't been a year. No, Paul's karate to more than I have in the last couple of years. Uh, it's a beer that any version of a beer drinker, yeah. whether you're the beer snob, a beginner beer, someone who thinks they're they're somebody who's working towards being a beer snob, can all agree is just a good drinking beer. And uh, that's one of those things that I, I put towards people that, hey, you're stepping up from being a Budweiser drinker, try this. Hey, you just want a good drinking beer? Have a fat tire. I hope nobody aims to be a beer snob. They just have to become a beer snob because they do They beer. do a podcast and they drink yeah. beer weekly. A lot of them all at once within two hours. All right, Paul, your list. All right, uh, Fat Punk Ale from Alagash, number one. Check. Rheingast. Wow, number two. That envelope taste, man. Surprising. It's, you guys know I love looking at looks. I work into my room. I thought you said that the uh, Fat Hoppy had the envelope. Which which one's this that I'm drinking right that now? That is Firestone. Oh, then that's number two. Firestone, number two. And then Rheingast. Wow. Yep, nice. And then uh, the Avery Wild, because of the Belgian, or the... Uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit? Wild, a- uh, wild the, yeast? What, the wild yeast makes it a little bit like a uh, barley wine. And then the sour apple. Because I really, that was refreshing. Mm. That was really nice. And then the uh, regular fire. So we can, fire. we can definitely say that Fat Funk, mm-hmm. number one, off of this. And then oh, I yeah. think we can all agree that uh, Fat Tire, second to last. Or the uh, the, <laughs> the Fat original. Sour. The Fat Sour, second yeah. to last. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not bad. It, it, that, I don't that's think... like the only thing I want to carry through this. Like, mm-hmm. None of these were bad. It's just not as good as the rest of them. Uh, I definitely agree. I did not have a moment where I super, super disliked any. Any yeah, of these I beers. mean, this, 
these all came in a 12 pack together. You get two of each. I'm, I'm glad that I have at least one more of each of these to, to have in the refrigerator now. And, uh, Paul and I are sitting with 12 beers in front of us. And honestly, like, it's a perfect example of how we feel about Earth One Wonder Woman. Because <laughs> honestly, there's it's different, okay. There's different bits of the book that we all liked, but there's uh-huh. also versions of that book that we didn't like. And also, there are versions of this book that are out that are better. I, I do want to say this. After the end of this book, I was like, okay, maybe something great's going to happen with Earth. Volume 1, or Earth 1, Volume 2. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind reading that book. Am I going to get it? I don't fucking think so. No, uh, we haven't I, even. When you were talking before, John, everything you were saying made me just be like, "Wow, I'm thankful I have Greg Rucco back." Yeah, on like Wonder Woman with Rebirth because we're getting two issues of a Greg Rucco Wonder Woman book every month mm-hmm. now. It's one that of those like, things like dwelling in the same place as this. You, yeah, it's one of those things where we're like, "This character is so great. Why is she being misused?" And this is one of those books where, like, not quite misused, but not well executed. Yeah. It, it shows how people can misuse her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you, Chris. I, 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 like, the whole time reading this, I wanted something to happen. Yeah. And it, nothing ever happened mm-hmm. in this yeah. book. It, if I you mean, had a choice between this book or the first trade, Blood, from, uh, Brian Azzarello. Brian Azzarello. Hands down, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris? Brian Azzarello, definitely. This book doesn't need to exist. Yeah, because we have (laughs) better books out there. If you're going to do this Earth One version, you really need to bring it. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it was brought. Right. But I didn't feel like they brought it with Titans either. Chris, I know you disagree. You like Titans Um, a little bit more. No, I'm not going to disagree. I like Titans. But it, it's not the the strongest. I think I liked it more than Batman. The only thing that can I, save I Earth like I One at this Batman because Batman was just trying too hard to be different. Yeah, the only same thing that can save Earth One at this point is a crossover, and that's exactly the opposite of what they want to do with Earth One. I I would I, not. I, gonna, they want to be standalone. I'm going to disagree. One story. I think the only thing that can save Earth One is whenever we get. Earth One Superman Volume Four, and it brings us back in. And we're like, yeah, yeah, this is a great, different take on it. Mm-hmm. I would, I would really like anything else with the, with the Earth One series. Mm-hmm. Well, I Earth, would Earth like One Teen Titans Volume Two is the next one out, which just to prepare <sighs> you guys will probably be my next pick after uh, Disney Kingdom's. Figure. Not excited. And here's the thing: is I didn't hate that book. It set itself. It's, I'm not plus by it. It set itself up for a volume two, just like this book. This book really set itself up for a number two, but it should be a great standalone Superman story. And we got two Superman standalone stories that continued mm-hmm. on. And that third one, we just weren't absolutely thrilled by, but it still was a good book. Mm-hmm. Titans. I wouldn't mind reading that number two. I think I said it exactly how it set itself up for a number two. I'm looking forward to it. Batman, I wouldn't mind reading a number two version of that Batman. 
It, yeah, I still haven't bought volume two. I forgot that they're actually they published well, it, published it's one of those things, Like I didn't love number one enough to be like, hey, let me get number two. Like it's one of those things. Yeah. Like when it became my pick for trade and policy, I'd be like, if I didn't have anything else, I'd grab that one. Mm-hmm. So, but we've had enough to we've had enough other things to talk about. Exactly. Like it's one of those things. Like I've had enough to think about and want to talk about that I haven't had to be like, oh, I don't have a book. Let me pick this up yet. I almost feel like we should do volume two, but not be in our order of picks. We should, the next trade and policy maybe should be Batman volume two, but not, not Out be, pick? not be your pick, Chris, but just be the pick that we've been it's reviewing. Like an episode. We've been Look, reviewing. John, that would be your this. pick then, since Paul just went, I go next. <laughs> all right. Well, anyways, <laughs> two hours of show. Two hours. A lot of okay. drunk. Hey, friends and family, if you can find it by you, I think it's definitely... It's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth a pickup. Um, there is a link to uh, Wonder Woman Earth One over at the show notes page, beggingboard.com. If you do want to pick it up off of Amazon, help us out, get another book for yourself. You can find copies of this for $9 used or $19 new. Um, I bought this at my local comic book shop for like twenty four, I think. Oof. Oof. I, th- I think it's worth ten bucks. Can I shop it again, John? No, no that, that was Paul. Twenty two ninety nine is the USA cover price on this book. I don't think you paid that for it. Though. No, I didn't. I bought it pre ordered on Amazon using the Amazon dot com slash bagnaboard dot com or yeah Amazon dot com slash bagnaboard. Check us out on our next episode that may or may not be before I'm a married man. Who knows? We love you all. Thank you. Bye.